Hello and welcome back to Crackpot Theories, the podcast where everything is plausible until proven otherwise. Uh, I am Sinead and we are back with uh, Season 2 Crackpot Boogaloo. And once again I am joined by Billy. Hi! Billy, um, I detect the, the stress in your voice. You've had a bit of a, a, a rough week or two we weeks. Have. Or just we year in general. <laughs> Who hasn't at this point? The, yeah, this is this is true. But um, you know, are are you looking forward to this episode where you can switch off your brain to not be talking about politics and talk about something that you love and respect? Absolutely. Okay, because this week we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, instead of doing what we usually do, which is where we discuss a film, a TV show, a video game, a book something like that, we're going to go and talk about cookware. And I know for Billy, this is one of your specialist subjects. This is something that uh, you're actually quite notorious for on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I accidentally blew up because I have random knowledge about antiques, specifically Pyrex, Corning, Corningware, that whole family of glassware. And I guess people liked it. So Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I'd like to hear more. I, I think I've only ever had three Pyrex things in my life and one of them is actually in the house right now. Um, but kind of when I think of Pyrex, I think of it as, the, you know, can you give me out the Pyrex kind of thing. I don't think of it as this is a Pyrex bowl, this is a Pyrex measuring jug. It's just, it's all the Pyrex. So Yeah, it's turned into kind of like a colloquialism, like Kleenex. You know you mean a tissue, but... They're all called Kleenex now, even though it's definitely a brand. So I hear that a lot. People are like, grab me the Pyrex. What they mean is their glass, you know, whatever they bake something in. Mm. Even if it's Anchor Hawking or some other company, it's just all the Pyrex. Yeah. <laughs> even if it has nothing to do with Pyrex. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's kind of like Google or Aga, all those things. You say one thing, but you actually mean it's a, it's a dish of some sort or it's a, you know, it turn, turns itself into a noun. Mm -hmm. or not a noun what's the other word i'm looking for oh god don't don't no don't. no we're not yeah. we're not grammaring today never mind okay i was about to say grammar my brain with grammar <laughs> okay not my favorite who has a bachelor's in english i do does that matter no well my look who's horrific <laughs> well look who's just ficking bragging about her qualifications now <laughs> i make fun of myself i self-deprecate on the daily like i'm like i don't understand how i spent four years studying a subject and then little things like there, there, and there still trip me up at times. Well, English I, is I want a, to know why. English is a harsh taskmaster, I have to say. And so is cooking. So getting back to the cooking. Um, you have some theories on Pyrex. I do. It's, it's about Pyrex, but also about Corning, which is the company that makes Pyrex. So mm. I can, I'll start off with the theory. Okay. And then we can just extrapolate from there. Already? Our theory for this episode is that Corning Incorporated, which was also known as Corning Glassworks back in the day, specifically made items to be perfect at what they do, but terrible at something else, specifically so they could make another product to fill that void, mm. forcing consumers to fill their entire house with Corning and nothing else. Okay. That that's um, the, it's eerily similar to another theory that I have for this episode, 
Um, but please do go on. What is this other product that uh, needs to be entwined with Pyrex? So uh, Pyrex was created in 1915. It was originally called Nonex. It was used for uh, train signaling. So before they had electricity on the railways, uh, the signaling used to be done by flame. And so they needed glass, colored glass, in front of those flames to signal to conductors what to do. They also needed glass that wouldn't shatter over, like, a certain amount of time. Um, So Nonex was the leaded version of what eventually became Pyrex. So the creator of Pyrex's wife wanted to start baking, and all of her glass dishes were shattering, and she went... Wouldn't it be cool if we had Non-X, but for baking? Non-X was highly toxic. So he was like, cool, let me work on that. <laughs> Got back to her and launched their first set of houseware dishes in 1919. And he called it Pyrex, meaning, you know, Pyre, Fire, yeah. and Rex, meaning, you know, from Non-X. It's a borosilicate glass. And what borosilicate is, is a type of glass that has a high uh, thermal shock rating which means it can go from cold to hot and back to cold very quickly and it won't shatter. Having having thrown thrown my Pyrex bowl into a pot of hot water on more than one occasion, (laughs) I can attest to its uh, strength in these circumstances. Oh yeah, I see people all the time who are like, oh, Pyrex, it's impervious to shock. Cool. And then they just abuse the crap out of it. I was like, just don't, you still need to be nice to it. You can't just throw it around. But yeah, but you, but you know when you're, mid, when you're mid-bake and the baking madness hits you and you're trying to do three things at once and one of the things is in your hand and you just make that leap into how far can I fling this? Can I hit the sink if I fling this? <laughs> you know. Yeah, hmm. for sure. And it, 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 it took off. I mean, like hotcakes. Every, every it, did when I threw it. it did when I threw it as well. Oh, yeah, see? Perfect. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So, yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, but it's just, it was it was a really weird, interesting time for America. Uh, you're looking at, you know, in World War One, into World War Two, and by the time World War Two rolled around, um, Pyrex had become a household name. Everybody needed every bit of Pyrex they could find, and they launched their Milk Glass series, which is all the pretty ones you think of when you think of the 1950s with all the really nice colors oh yeah with the with the weird salads yes that's exactly what it is yeah and the to to make those things actually look appetizing (laughs) i i've seen some recipes where i'm like okay i see where you're going with this and then i keep reading it and i was like you're losing me you're losing me and they're like now add mayonnaise i'm like we've got to stop Too far. You put watermelon and tangerines, grapes and mayo together. We must stop this now. I don't know. I can't. I People are like, do you collect cookbooks from like the 1930s, 40s and 50s? And I'm like, don't talk to me. I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's, I can't. It, it's a real visceral thing almost when you see these ingredients being combined and then to have it kind of laid out and they're trying desperately to make it look attractive because look at all my beautiful dishes that I'm dishing this thing up on. Look at how pretty it all is. Please don't look at the And food. they all match. <laughs> yeah. They're beautiful. I spent thousands of dollars. It all matches. Please don't be mad at me. Like, okay, oh. whatever. We can't say much, though, because, you know, the cooking just got weirder by the 1960s and 70s 
but you know French cooking had taken off by that time so we were doing okay I guess but I mean okay so Pyrex is doing well in the 40s and that's fine and then what do we hear oh man I can't put Pyrex over open flame well everybody <laughs> at the time had gas stoves and electric stoves were kind of catching on but not nearly at the rate that gas home stoves were so they needed something they could put over open flame so they created corning works glass works back then um decided to make a type of glass that you could put over top of open flame and they created what's called pyrex flameware but get this you can put it over open flame and you cannot put it in the oven oh oh nope nope yeah so i've never tried it but maybe i should no oh okay okay i (laughs) I will have a yeah if you want to hear fireworks go off inside of your oven sure (laughs) do that but pyrex is really really good at um heating up and cooling down and heating up again um without shattering and aluminosilicate which is what pyrex flameware is made out of is very good at being over open flame um and that's it it doesn't do well with being put on say um a cold surface very quickly unlike pyrex which that's all it does but if you put pyrex over open flame it will explode and you will have your dinner all over your kitchen and glass all over your face molten glass all over your face not make that hospital trip and I guarantee you there were tons of hospital trips like that because unfortunately Corning got you know a little smarmy with it and they were like they're both Pyrex (laughs) so people thought that was interchangeable and we're sticking things in the oven that shouldn't be and sticking things on flames that shouldn't be and it, it just got to be outright ridiculous so fine we've got Pyrex and we've got Pyrex flameware give it another 10 years and Corning goes I've got an idea what if we could create something that does both and they brought in Corningware which is made of pyroceram which is ceramic that you can move from the freezer to open flame and then put in the oven and not have a problem if you throw it in your sink it will explode about where I'm like you don't get to have one all-purpose item god it's like it's like the monkey's paw of cookware you know when you make a wish with the monkey's paw you get your wish but every but it turns horribly wrong oh every time every time and it's it they did this on purpose this is the whole theory they did this on purpose Ah. they had to because with the amount of money that Corning was bringing in just from Pyrex alone just Pyrex alone. They could have created anything that their heart desires. They had scientists in their pocket. They were like, they came up with the formula for flameware in under a year. They mm-hmm. said, do it. And the scientists went, okay. And they fixed it. And then they said it within another year, I think it was something crazy, like nine months, they found a way to make Pyroceram and then put it into production. So I'm like, you can't sit here and say that you guys just didn't know. Like, or that you didn't have the manpower to make it happen. Because at this time, when they made Pyroceram, they had locations in Australia, France, and uh, Canada. Okay. So yeah. no reason to be like, we're lacking, you know, warehouses. We, we don't have people to help us. I'm like, you have everyone to help you. You just want to find a reason to make money. 
And so they put out a campaign to kind of put Corningware against Pyrex. Oh. Yeah, there's a whole campaign where they were like, are you a Pyrex family or a Corningware family? And I'm like, it's both owned by Corning. (laughs) And I suppose the more that you break the stuff, the more you're going to have to replace it. And that's enough. Exactly. And I'm going, they have created this confusion. Can I put this in the oven or can't I? Can I put this on overflame or can't I? Can I drop this or can't I? And then what happens? They break it. And then what do they do? Well, Pyrex was was crappy. I don't want it anymore. I'm going to Corningware. I mean, that is diabolical genius. Oh, and it keeps going, too. It's ridiculous. I did a TikTok on this a few a few days ago. Oh, God, maybe a few weeks ago now. Who knows? But I was like, off the top of my head, here are the things that Corning has made. And I just, like, listed them off. I'm like, here's all the household items. It was Pyrex, uh, or it was Nonex to Pyrex, Pyrex to Pyrex Flameware, Pyrex Flameware to Corningware. And then you had a weird in-between time where they made something called Visionware. Oh. oh, this is where it gets really diabolical. Here's why I came up with this theory in the first place. Okay. They they said this whole time that they have no way to make clear glass that can go from the open flame to the oven. That is what they were holding on to for dear life for 50, okay. 60 years. Mm. Visionware is clear glass that can go from the freezer to open flame to the oven and then back into the freezer. Oh. They had the formula for it for 25 years before they launched it. I I mean, mm. Yeah, and I'm like, so y'all couldn't uh, you couldn't adjust. So my thing is they made Pyrex and went, okay, Mm. made flameware and went, all right, made corningware and went, sure. And then they found this, and they were like, we still can pit the other companies against each other. It's too good. Humanity must never know. Humanity must never know. And then what happened right before Visionware came out? All of their stocks dropped. So they went, oh, it's time. (laughs) They put out Visionware. I found something. I'm like, you didn't find anything. You had that this entire time. And then the... So uh, iron boom happened in the late 60s, early 70s. Everybody had cast iron all of a sudden. So Visionware went, I'll do you one better. Glass, what is glass? We're going to cover all of our glass in Teflon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they're getting rid of their iron competitors. They're getting rid of their Teflon competitors. They're getting rid of themselves. And then they're pitting their own companies against each other to drum up sales. And I, yeah, I think it can't get worse. I think it can't get any worse. It gets worse. I just, every time I tell this story, I'm like, it sounds pretty bad, right? And everyone's like, yeah, that's really messed up. And I was like, just wait. They created an item called Vicor. Okay. If you don't know what that is, that is a glass that is in the Hubble Space Telescope. It's also used on all deep diving submarines in the world, most army, navy ships, uh, airplane windows, uh, glass on your computers. The list goes on forever. You probably have a bunch of Vicor in your house right now if it was purchased before 2008 and you don't know it. Okay. And Corning, yeah, Corning third party sold this to oh. companies like Kodak, 
for their lenses, and they were making major bank off of it. 2008 rolls around, and Corning announces that they have teamed up with a very, very famous company, but they can't say who until later in the year. So everyone's, oh, what's going on? What's Was going it on? Disney? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Disney, Disney seems to be acquiring everything. Why not cookware? No, no, no. It's the, it's the, um, it's the Disney of technology. Oh, okay. Apple. <gasps> I knew it. Yeah. Corning and Apple joined forces and Apple came to Corning and said, we need a glass that we can put on our phones and we can put on our laptops that is going to make it more scratch resistant. What do you have? And they went, well, we make Vicor and they were like, ah, Vicor's old news. What can you make? And they went, uh, Gorilla Glass? <laughs> and so, yeah, they, Corning went, yeah, we can we can license Gorilla Glass to you guys. And Apple went, sounds great. And so then TCL came in as well, which is unfortunately buddy buddies with Apple. They're not the same company, but they do kind of respect each other. Mm. TCL came in and said, I see you're working with our brother. Uh can you make our crystal LCD screens? And Corning went, oh, that's a little much, guys. Uh, okay, cool, yeah, sure. What do you What do you need for us to do that? And they go, your entire warehouse operation for Vicor. And then Corning went, okay. <laughs> they got rid of a worldwide necessary glass because Apple was like, we want your warehouse. Sorry. I, I mean... This is less a crackpot theory than a whistleblower episode. Almost. I feel like that most days. And when I tell, when I, when I used to go thrifting, uh, I haven't been in almost a year now. Thanks, COVID. Um, and I, I would go to the old school antique malls where like all the old ladies would have all their stuff set out on the weekends. Oh. And I would tell them this because they would have a bunch of glassware. And I'd be like, they'd love this information. And I'd info dump on them. And instead <laughs> of being interested, they would be horrified. They're like, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, everything you touch is run by Corning and Apple. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I'm like, your cell phone screen is, um, you have an Apple, right? And they're like, right. And I was like, well, that's not Apple glass. That's Corning glass. But it's registered under Gorilla glass, but not really because Apple doesn't want you to know that. So um, you're holding four companies in your hand. And she goes, okay, that's too much. And I went, but here's another thing. Did you know that Apple licensed Gorilla glass to be just thin enough to break when you drop it? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And everybody goes, well, if it's Gorilla Glass, why does it break so easy? That's because Corning went to Apple and went, hey, guys, uh, you got to make sure that the glass is at least this thick so that it doesn't shatter when you drop it. Because, you know, Corning's really good at making shatterproof crap. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, of course. And then um, Apple went, cool, make it thinner. <laughs> they went, okay, Sounds good. And then Corel happened somewhere in between all of this. Corel happened in the late, or I should say early to mid-70s. Okay. And Corel's whole thing is it's unbreakable glass because it's laminated. And it goes on and on. But what happens when it actually breaks? Mm. It shatters into a billion pieces that cut you. Yeah. And actually, I have that with my phone screen at the moment because I've dropped it a number of times. And instead of getting it repaired, which would cost me a lot of money, I'm just like, I'm just going to put up with the pain. Yep, that's their whole thing. And yeah. it, it goes on and on and on. That fiber optic cable from those five companies, 
that mm. always, you know, swirl around. They're like, we want to put fiber optics in your ground. You should choose us. And it's five companies. Guess where all five of those companies are buying their fiber optic cabling from? <laughs> Corning. <laughs> Every single one of them. And I, I, I try to tell people this. They're like, who should I go with, Billy? You seem to be really good with, like, this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter who you go with. Who's got the cheaper price? And they're like, I want, I want the good... I want the good fiber optics. And I was like, I'm very glad that you want good fiber optics, but they're all made by Corning and they are the exact same. Go with the lower price. Yeah, but which one's better? I'm like, I'm a broken record today. <laughs> AT&T, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm like, they're all the same thing. Everything you touch is run by Corning. Everything you buy probably had something to do with Apple. And if it wasn't Apple, it was Samsung. Who makes Samsung's screens? Oh, God, I've had Samsung phone. Who is TCL good friends with? Apple. <laughs> Just goes around. The next and time. Around, oh, who makes TCL screens? Corning. <laughs> the anyway. next time I make Swiss meringue buttercream, this is going to be the only thing I can think of. Oh, forever. Forever. Do you know, it, yeah, it, when... It'll just be that, that Apple is secretly watching me do absolutely everything while I'm trying to blend my sugars. 100%. 150%. I bother my boss with this often. I bother my coworkers with this often because I talk the same way about trucking because I'm in logistics. Yeah. It's all interconnected and nothing matters. And people go, that's a really nihilist way to look at glass. Glass is beautiful. I'm like, glass is a... It's a mob. Like, I don't know how else to tell you that. Uh, and they're like, well, what about Anchor Hawking? And it just goes on and on. They're like, well, Anchor Hawking. And I was like, got all of their stuff from Corning. Yeah. They're like, what? And I was like, when Corning, patents only last for seven to ten years. When you drop a patent and it goes public, they hope, the, the whole point of that is so that it's free market. Yeah. And people can make maybe better things. Your goal is to make your product so good that by the time the patent hits the market, Nobody can compete with you. So when it hit the market, Anchor Hawking went, I can do that. And I was like, it's Corning. And people were like, well, what about, what about Fenton? And I was like, Fenton is Iridil. Well, Corning doesn't do that. And I stopped for a second. And I was like, okay, do you want me? They're like, don't ruin Fenton. I'm like, okay, all right, Fenton's beautiful. Like, and this is my daily, like, I ruin people's dreams. They come to my channel on TikTok thinking they're going to hear something happy. And like you said, I whistleblow my ass off the entire time I'm talking to them about it. <laughs> well, well, I have to ask this this one thing now um, that's just occurred to me, really, since we're on the subject of glass. And now that you've put me in the frame of thinking all glass everywhere is made by Kerning. Um, I mean, we have a, fa a fairly famous product in Ireland, uh, Waterford Crystal. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, so... Mm. Okay, I need to back up. Back up, Billy. Start from the basics. Um, so, Waterford Crystal is one of those... One of those outliers that does one thing super-duper well, mm. but it's not new. So, Crystal... Um, the chemical makeup of Crystal most often involves lead. Yeah. So Waterford was very much a front runner of, hey, I can make leaded and unleaded crystal. You can drink out of this and not die. <laughs> and that was honestly 
their go-to shtick, um, they probably had much better marketing than what I just said, but really what it all dumbed down to was, what are you doing drinking out of those crystal glasses when you could drink out of ours and not have lead poisoning? And it just went like that, and it's never stopped. No, it really hasn't. Yeah, it's crazy. And so it's, let's see, do-do-do-do-do. I was looking, I have like a whole, oh, wow, I have an ambulance outside of my house right now. Oh, geez. Very cool. Okay. Yeah, if anybody from TikTok is listening to me, it's the scary wee-woos. It's the medical wee-woos. Um, there's an ongoing gag on my TikTok uh, where I live in between two fire stations. Okay. Now- and they they hit their sirens uh, sometimes at the same time. And I'm in the middle. Now, are you sure this is an ambulance? Because you did just spend the last nearly half an hour whistleblowing on a company that is absolutely everywhere. So, I mean... We don't know that. Um, You know, it it, it could be the men coming to take you away. (laughs) You know, who who are, who have been hired because apparently everybody is now in the pocket of this, uh, this glass company. Yeah, okay. Well, I can, I can... Here, I can make you feel good about the fact that you're Irish and you have Waterford under your you, belt. You don't, you don't have to do that. I'm not no, here but to I feel am. good. I am, because here we go. Here, listen, okay. listen. Waterford will never be beaten. When people ask me, I really want crystal glasses for my wedding. People expect me, because I used to work for Swarovski. Oh. Uh, they expect me to go, Swarovski, what are you doing? But no, I turn to them and I go, have you ever heard of Waterford? And they're like, oh, I love Waterford. I'm like, Waterford. And they're like, why? And I was like, because you can actually wash them without fearing they will break. You can put them through the dishwasher. You can, I mean, you look at Swarovski wrong and it shatters. You just look at it the wrong way. And it's like, you know, I don't want to live anymore. And we'll like take a tumble and break immediately. Whereas Waterford, That's a mood. I have some Waterford whiskey tumblers and I drink out of those every day. And they go in my dishwasher. And I love them. And Corning cannot beat Waterford. Okay, so it's a bit of a Davy and Goliath type of thing. It is because Waterford... Uh, I gotta make sure I'm not wrong on this. I'm gonna say it and then I'm gonna look it up to make sure I'm not wrong. It's okay. We, is, we've made mistakes on the podcast before. Big ones. Late 1700s, early 1800s. Check me, see if I'm see if I'm right on that. But uh, Waterford predates Corning by literally centuries. Nice. Um... Yeah, exactly. And it's it's because crystal is a ages, ages, ages old art form. Mm. And royalty loves crystal. It's it's like what I forget who said this to me. I think it was actually at a Ripley's Believe It or Not, one of the curators was like, It's like poor man's rubies. Oh. So you can make crystal any color you want and it as long as you facet it right, just like a diamond, you can make it sparkle and trick people into thinking you're richer than you are. Yeah, drag queens do quite a lot. I'm sorry, I've been watching a lot of RuPaul's Drag Race at the moment. Our left dancers do too. Yeah. And and cabaret people. How you doing? I'm I'm one of those. Um, I I buy I when I worked for Swarovski, I literally would get my paycheck on a Friday and then turn around and buy Swarovski flatbacks on a Saturday <laughs> to put on my costumes. Nice. Oh yeah, no, my boss would be like, "Do you even want this, or do you just want credit?" I was like, "I just want credit." Who are you asking? Like, <laughs> At, at the time, I was I was performing um, like twenty shows a month, so I was making my entire rent and living performing, and I just worked at Swarovski literally for the discount. I, I could I could probably see myself doing something very similar if I worked for Swarovski. 
Oh, um, it's, it's addicting because everything's sparkly and they're so good at what they do. They're so good at making things eye-catching. So I would just turn around and be like, I like that necklace. Can I have that? She'd be like, let's look at your paycheck. Cool. <laughs> and I managed, so I got I got 60% off of every single thing. And then if something was on sale, I got my 60% on top of whatever the sale was. Okay, so, but, but I mean, of course, you're you're also paying into the company that uh, you, you've just been whistleblowing. So there's there's just so many dimensions no, in this. No, I, I was paying into Swarovski. I don't whistleblow Swarovski. They know darn well that they are not good at doing cookware or dishes. That's why they stick to jewelry and rifle scopes. They know they can't beat Waterford. <laughs> you, nobody can beat Waterford. If a company right now was like, we've created a brand new type of crystal that beats Waterford in one area, Waterford would laugh all the way to the bank and go, sorry, we've got 200 and something years under our belts of loyal customers. Have a nice day. Good point. Nobody's going to buy their crap. They're going to go to Waterford because the name is something they trust. Yeah, that, that is a very good point. That, yes, that did make me feel a surge of Irish pride, I have to As say. As you should, because honestly, was I right though? Is it late, late 1700s, early 1800s, Yes, right? yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. See, I know something. And well done. No, you, you, I think we've proved on this episode that you know quite a lot. <laughs> I try. But yeah, no, uh, would Corning ever try to dip its toe into Waterford's pool? Absolutely not. The only thing Corning does well, as far as the crystal world goes, is their crystal LCD screen glass. And that's it. Because Waterford has their stuff on lock. And Corning has their stuff on lock. Okay. And they do not intertwine whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, see. I see. Yeah. Um that that was quite a quite a trip that we just took there with you. <laughs> but but I can see why you're fascinated and I can see why it blew up so much on TikTok as well, because um I mean there's so much history there that and you wouldn't necessarily connect the dots like that either, unless you were super invested in the glass, I suppose. Oh no! And as as a, since I, you know, I hate saying blow blew up, but I mean, I, I have two hundred and thirty four thousand followers now, which still I'm very confused about. I don't know how I got there, but I'm very appreciative. I'm just very confused. Um, people all the time will be like, "I know you like Pyrex, but do you like Corningware?" And I just have to like bite my lip and not say anything. <laughs> And I wanted to, sometimes I'm like, I'm trying, I'm not trying to be an ass, but it's the same company. And they were like, no, it's not. One is Pirates and one is Corningware. I'm like, shh, my sweet summer child. They are both owned by Corning. And then they get really quiet and confused. I was like, and one was made because the other one was missing something. Have a good night. And then they get very upset with me. (laughs) <laughs> but keep in mind, though, Pyrex is no longer owned by Corning. It stopped being owned by Corning in two thousand, or no, in nineteen ninety eight. Okay. And made its full transition in two thousand. Yeah. Um. Guess who owns Pyrex now? Apple. I, I'm oh, sorry. World I just. Kitchen. <laughs> what? World Kitchens. World Kitchen. I've never heard of them. Here's one thing. It's it's just like Apple. Yes, you have. You have a bunch of it in your house. You just didn't know. They own, oh God, how many brands does World Kitchen own now? Like a hundred? Oh. hundred brands? 
They're like oh. the craft foods. Yeah, um, it's one of those. Yeah, of kitchenware. And people all the time will walk through Macy's and look at cookware and be like, do I choose between this or that? I'm like, same company. Like, just, <laughs> shh, just buy the cheaper one. People get so upset with me. They're like, you're, you're taking the fun out of it. And I was like, really? We've boiled it down to fun? <laughs> okay. If you want to play that mental gymnastics game, you can do that. But the way you tell Pyrex, like borosilicate Pyrex, from the new Pyrex, which is now made of soda lime glass, which, by the way, is not as good as borosilicate. Um, of course not, no. The, no, the logo is lowercase on the new Pyrex and all uppercase on the old Pyrex. You are in Ireland, and for that, I am extremely jealous because you are only sold Pyrex from the French warehouse, which still has the licensing on the borosilicate Pyrex. So all of your Pyrex in store right now will be capitalized because you still have the good Pyrex. Do you know what this reminds me of, right? Um, mm. and, and it's a bit of a tangent to go off of, but um, back when I was still collecting My Little Ponies and I was still involved in the My Little Pony community, I'm not anymore, but it, it was, um, you see, I kind of fall into hyperfixations and then fall back into other ones uh, every now and then. But I was quite, um, I was quite present on the pony collecting scene before Friendship is Magic came out. And I'm sorry, you said pony collecting scene and I almost lost my mind over here. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. I just, you'll yeah. have to tell me about that one day. I'm sorry, continue. I have many a story, um, some of which are probably not suitable for this podcast. Um, <laughs> the very first episode that we ever did was about My Little Pony uh, because we had a lot of theories about it. But um, back when we were collecting... There used to be a big thing with the um, ponies that you got variants of the molds in places like France and Italy and Spain. So if you were like collecting, let's say Minty, because Minty was a very popular pony. So you get the, the standard Minty that you get in the UK, but then you get a sitting down one in Greece. And then you get like uh, one that's kind of rearing up in France, just kind of little variations there. And people would pick one particular pony to kind of have this little fixation with and they would build up a minty army or it was a bow tie army or it was a pinkie pie army and they'd just get as many oh. different variations of the pony as they could i don't like it that's so scary that, <laughs> and it sounds competitive and expensive and no i mean like the pyrex community Actually, no. Do you know what? The the community itself was quite peaceful until Friendship is Magic um, started bringing in new elements, um, which I'm not going to go into much more detail about that, but <laughs> it was, there was, it was mostly women. It was very peaceful. It was a lot of people just kind of, you know, reliving their nostalgia thing. It was also very creative because people would, what they would do is they take the old broken ponies that you find in charity shops and kind of in your attic and everything and their hair's all messed up and they've got like black slime growing in the, the neck folds that's a story for another day but um yeah black mold occasionally inside the actual body that you have to clean out with a special solution oh god yeah yeah it was a whole thing um i like i said i have many stories but they put a lot of effort into restoring them they have special tools for doing that and special traders that have the hair that you can replace 
and just you know it was, it was nice it was very creative and um but there was that same kind of fascination there is that the variants were very widely sought after mm, you know there yep there is, is one type of corning ware that sounds eerily familiar to that mm. um and if anyone on here collects corning ware they've already screamed it in their house <laughs> um it, seriously right when i said that i guarantee you somebody somewhere went oh my god it's blank um, it is a, it's a whole set called the Spice of Life by Corningware, and there is a variant on two of the pieces. It is their largest casserole dish and their second largest casserole dish. Um, and I forget what the variant is because I'm more Pyrex and Corning as a company than I am Corningware. Um, those variants are sold on eBay for $25,000. Holy hell! I mean, the most ex yep. the most expensive rare pony usually sold on eBay for like eighty pounds. I'll take it, but I mean, like uh, that's. It, it, I guess I mean it's also about how much are you willing to pay for it, and the kinds of crazy, insane collectors in the glass world that exist. They have driven up that price. They have mm. made it have value. Yeah, it's insane. I had one woman that. Uh, duetted me on TikTok and was like, I've got this spice of life, but it looks really weird. And I was like, huh? And she goes, I don't know. I see all of them on Google and the Google images just don't look the same as what I have. And my eyes got so wide. And I was like, you need to message me on Instagram right now. And she was like, why? And I was like, are you in debt? And she's like, yes. And I was like, you're about to be very much out of debt. <laughs> wow. You need to go on Google and you need to type in spice of life. Uh, I think it's a two quart. I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's their largest casserole. And she's like, you just need to go on eBay and type in spice of life. And she's like, okay. And I was like, do that. Record yourself, stick it on TikTok, tag me in it. And she did. And her eyes looked like saucers. She's like, what are you? Oh, I, uh, I was like, yeah. Have fun going to the bank. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but, yeah, those variants are very sought after. Same with Pyrex. There are one or two runs of certain things of Pyrex that just were done for one season. And then Pyrex went, well, those didn't sell well. And then dropped them only to now be highly sought after eBay items 40, 50 years later. <laughs> it's weird. Pink mm. Gooseberry is one of those. If you look up a four set of Cinderella pink gooseberry bowls, they go from anywhere from $300 to $700 on eBay. Yeah, do you know, um, like, like, well, when, like when we're talking collections, I mean, I've seen uh, EGL dresses go for, like the, the rare bodyline prints go mm -hmm. for a couple of hundred here and there. Um, and actually, I have one of them and it's, it's not even a nice one. I have to say, like, it's got a really weird neckline and it's a nice color and it's a rare print. So people do kind of pay through the nose for it. But it just goes to show that if you make enough variance and then you sort of put a put a time frame on it so that it'll stop being a thing after a while, then you're going to create this sort of artificial value for it. 100% because it's people all the time. It, it's about... 15, 20 more questions a day I get going, what is the value on this? And I, I have to tell people, I'm like, it's whatever you're willing to pay for it. I, I have so to, I, I, sorry, I, ha, um, 
I have to ask, have you ever seen a show called Antiques Roadshow? Have you ever listened to the first episode of my podcast where I go on a complete info dump of how Antiques Roadshow works internally and why they show the things they show? <laughs> no, I've only been on your TikTok for um, not that long, really. And when it comes to TikTok, I just watch what comes up on my, my For You page. Half the That's time, the safest way. Yeah, I half the time I don't even, like I miss a load of your videos sometimes. But no, I was just thinking that basically you have set up little antiques roadshow TikTok accounts where people ask you to value their stuff so that they can get money. Yeah, all the time, all the time. And I tell people, and I will even say it here, I've said it a million times, I am not professionally an appraiser. And what I mean by that is, it's not that I can't appraise it or that I am incapable or I don't know what I'm looking at. You just it's don't want to be you, responsible. Well, it's not, no, not even that. Screw that. I'll be responsible. I've got, I've got things behind me. I've got references. I've got the knowledge to back me up. It's that they're not offering to pay me for telling them how much their stuff is. Good point. They yes. just expect me to do the work. Now the antiques roadshow people, they are paid thousands upon thousands of dollars to appear on that show and do those antique roadshow little hubs. Um, and then beyond that, they are appraisers and historians in a huge, you know, arena of other historians. And they're all making tons of money doing that as a living. And I was like, I've, I had, I flipped out on one guy two days ago because he just kept spamming me. How much is this worth? And I was like, are you going to go to my cash app and pay me? <laughs> and he was like, well, I just want to know. And I was like, do you not have Google? You seem to be able to type things in on your phone just fine. Go mm. to Google. I was like, it's as easy as typing it into eBay. That'll give you a general reference for how much you could charge for it. And he's like, well, I want to hear it from you. And I was like, and I would love to hear the cha-ching that my phone is set for for a cash app. But we can't always have what we want. And it's just like, I have to set that boundary. I'm not going to sit here and be your appraiser. Last time I got something appraised, it was $100 per signature. Wow. To get. Yeah, and I'm sitting here like, and y'all are just on TikTok like, la da 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 da. I have this twenty five thousand dollar bowl. <laughs> Is it actually worth twenty five thousand dollars? And I want to be like, don't know. Are you gonna give me five percent if you sell it? <laughs> well, I suppose the whole reason that they're selling it and they're trying to get the value and sell it in the first place is because they're broke and therefore. Exactly apparently can't afford to pay you to do this for them. I know, and it's, it's funny because I, I even tried it. I was like, okay, uh, if you cash out me $5, please. They're like, $5? That's ridiculous. And I was like, never mind. You just don't even. Okay. <laughs> All right. I can't. Ah, the labor. So mm. if people are very nice to me and they ask me what something is, I will answer those all day long. I'm like, oh, that's this. That's this. That's this. It's when people go, "How much is this?" I'm like, now I have to do investigative work. <laughs> it's like takes time out of my day. I'm like, do you guys not realize that I exist outside of the tiny box that is your phone? Like, I promise, I am a living, breathing human outside of the tiny TikTok universe. And a lot of people go, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought that you do this for a living. Like that, I'm a TikToker mm. for a living." And I'm like, I'm 20. Yeah. I have a job 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 <laughs> every day, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to imagine anybody making money off of TikTok, to be honest. Um, it's, You'd be surprised. I, I know, and I have seen that people have made it, but then I'm kind of like, well, what's the catch there? Um, there? There has to be 
some sort of catch there because you know i leave tiktok for weeks at a time without uploading anything it's just it's so much work but it is it's a lot of work and people hound me daily going i haven't posted a video in four days and people are starting to take notice because i usually post like six or seven times a day and now all of a sudden they're like where are you and i was like y'all burn me out (laughs) i need a day i need like four or five days to just sleep and recuperate and oh like i guess they forget also because it's the digital age people like once they put their phone down you stop existing yeah the the whole lack of object permanence type thing that's exactly what it is you are so right we're all toddlers wandering through the world no we we've we've all been given a case of internet induced adhd there what Mm. is it there's a oh god you would know this too what is the there's a psychological term for that where it was like it has to do with your serotonin payoff and because we get serotonin hits so often so quickly from scrolling on things like tiktok and stuff Oh, yeah. And that, like, now we have, like, a, a serotonin deficiency now? Yeah. Like, where, yeah, we, we make too much serotonin at one time, and then our body, once we're off of whatever's been giving us a serotonin hit, we get, like, serotonin depression or something? Yeah, it's it's the same thing that happens with people who have ADHD. They have this occurring in their brains naturally. Um, but for other people, it is actually induced by social media. It's, that makes so much sense. Yeah, um, and I I mean, have you seen actually on TikTok about them, there's a big uptick in the amount of people looking for ADHD diagnoses. Like, um, yes, that and also people looking for a huge, uh, well, an uptick in people looking for a diagnosis of autism. Mm. And it's mostly women for yeah. both of these because women are so often misdiagnosed with both ADHD and autism that it's gotten a little silly. Like, boys, because of social constructs, of course, they're allowed to be who they are from the moment they leave their mother's womb, and it's easier to pick up on their symptoms because they're just being themselves, while little girls are taught from a very young age to mask anything that people find inappropriate or whatever, and that's why it took me till I was 27. (laughs) 27! For my psychologist friend to go, oh, it's your autism, and I was like, my what? Yeah. She's like, oh my God, did you not know? I was like, did I not know what? And she's like, that's your autistic. I was like, I'm autistic. And it literally went like that for a good day. Yeah, I can see. Anyway. Uh, No, I can absolutely see it happening. There's a whole socialization thing there with them because of the way social groups work differently for men and women. It's just a thing that you develop better social skills as a woman for masking because of the way you've been brought up and due to female socialization it's a it's a really weird kind of cause and effect but you know these things are just going to become more common as certain things in our society get more and more um just regular before we had tiktok we had vine and that was seven seconds worth of content so mm-hmm. you know of course you know people are grown are having trouble with their um their attention spans i'm losing my attention span as i'm speaking um <laughs> but you know that that's um that's kind of a natural thing for me but i always find that i have to multitask now whether there's a diagnosis out there for for that and um, that i have to do three things at once instead of just doing one 
um, that I can't watch TV without having something in my hand to be doing at the same time, which is great if you're a crafts person. But I mean, a lot of that kind of gets... That's classic ADD. Yeah, that's um, that's what I'm thinking too. Now, I'm not going looking for a diagnosis or anything, but I also think that part of it is technology-induced because I didn't used to be like this. And I think for a lot right. of people, they didn't used to be like this. But it's something that either they stopped masking it because the technology allowed for it or that it was that it's been induced by the kind of technology that we're um you know back in the middle ages when women used to spend hours making tapestries because there was nothing else to do you know and you'd say oh well they had great attention and focus and everything to be making these tapestries they had a lack right. of stimulus now we're overstimulated Oh, absolutely. Have you also heard um, there's, well, I guess I should back it up and say that after I, I kind of, my, my friend sat me down and she was like, you need to take this test. Um, it's it's mine. And I was like, okay. And she said, if you score anywhere above a 20, you could easily have a uh, autism diagnosis. Mm. It's one out of 50. I scored a 48. And she was like, cool. So I'm going to need you to go get an official diagnosis now and make your life a lot easier. I was like, what? And she's like, but don't worry. And she said, the world is not made for you. Yeah. She said, the, the world back in the day was made for you. I said, what do you mean? And she goes, humans are not supposed to be around all of this technology and with these lights and these sounds and everything is fast and now. And she said, back in the day, she said, you think a lot. You would be a theologian. Mm. I was like, what? And she goes, people like you would be respected. You'd be in school all the time. You'd be studying things. You'd be a scientist. You'd be a, a literary person. And she said, but the, the world's not made for people like you. And she's like, so you got to get those accommodations or else it's going to be really hard. And I'm like, that's fair. Yeah. But but she has a point. Yeah. But also at the same time, you did manage to carve out a niche for yourself, which would have been harder to do years ago. You know, so in some oh, like, absolutely, yeah. Without TikTok, I, I, until I discovered TikTok, I felt j deeply alone. I had a lot of friends who were autistic, and over the past year and a half, I've been making more friends who are autistic, and I'm like, okay, I feel at home. But as in, they're not readily available to me at all times, mm. and I feel very, very alone. I told my parents about my diagnosis, like my preliminary diagnosis, and my parents are into eugenics, Ooh. and they were like, it's impossible. They were like, you, you can't be autistic. Nobody in our family's autistic. And then I'm looking at my mother, who is an extreme crafter and has very much misdiagnosed ADHD. It was given to her as, uh, what is it, ODD, Oppositional Defiancy Disorder. I was like, no, mama, you have ADHD. It's okay. Like, wow. For I, sure, for sure, for sure. I was like, I've never I have never heard of ODD being diagnosed in somebody that's like an older adult. I've only heard of it being diagnosed in children and kind of young adults. That's... Yeah, she was Yeah, she was diagnosed in front of me, which was even stranger. Having wow. your doctor give your mother a diagnosis and being like, you're just struggling with this because you have a hard time with authority and you always have and here's why you do the things you do and this and that. And while it did fit, it didn't all fit. But once I started reading up on ADHD, because in my mind I was like, do I have ADHD? Maybe I have ADD. Maybe, and like, I didn't fit any of them perfectly. And then once my friend was like, oh, you're just autistic. I was like, uh, what? And then I took her test and she showed me the results and she's like, this is why you do the things you do. 
I was like, oh my god, it's like a key in a lock. Like, oh, okay, there I am. Completely. Makes sense. Yeah. And I wonder if my mother took the test, what she would come out as. I often wonder that on almost a daily basis. I'm like, I really wish I could get my mom to take this. I was like, I need her to take these. To like, because I guarantee you, she's on it somewhere. Yeah. She has to be. It's genetic. And I'm like, and I see a lot of similarities between my mother and I. She can't just sit still. She always has to be fiddling with her hands. She knits mm. and, and crochets while she's watching TV. She has to be knitting or folding paper with her hands while she talks to you. If she's driving and talking and listening to the radio at the same time, she's as happy as a clam. It's mm. the weirdest thing in the world. Listen, I do and, the same thing. I do the exact same so thing. We're all weird. Everybody's weird. Nothing is normal. Normal is a fallacy. Carry on with your day. Like, yeah, but you, I'm just so tired of everybody being like, why aren't you normal? I'm like, why aren't you weirder? I don't know what to say to you. But you know, the, the whole thing like um, about the, you know, kind of cycling back to the whole uh, cookware thing. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that they were able to find people who are so hyper-specialized in these fields that they can make this one item and then make so many different variations of it. You get one person to actually do the creativity part of it and then one person to market it. And then other okay. people to just kind of buy it and collect it and everything. I mean, there are several different minds that have to come together to create that perfect storm of circumstances, really. Um, and then okay. that leads us to make podcast episodes about it. So it's all quite a beautiful circle, really. I, I work for a conglomerate. I work for a conglomerate conglomerate manufacturer within Philadelphia and I can tell you right now the deeper I get into my job the more I see people just like me mm. and they're all they're all on our engineering team and I'm like oh there I am yeah. just not me you know I'm just like oh my god look at you guys and I'm like I'm home <laughs> I'm just them but in the logistics field and mm. there's one of us in every department I've, I've come to understand and we're all the specialized weirdos I'm I'm the specialized weirdo with trucking, and I've got two or three guys on the engineering team that do what they do. I don't know how they do what they do, but they could tell me about our company from its inception all the way till now, and they can name models off the top of their head from, like, 40 years ago, and they just know it, and they can build it for you in front of your face. Mm. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're everywhere. It's just that we're not very loud about it, and I think the difference now is that we're allowed to be louder about it. Absolutely, and we're allowed to have our our little communities and our little kind of focuses as well. I mean, like I said, this podcast couldn't really be made without input from people like yourself and from other people that I've had on as guests. Um, I love that. Yeah, and also, I mean, the listeners as well. Um, If they weren't into this stuff in the first place, then there would be no reason for this podcast to exist, except purely for my own enjoyment. But obviously... (laughs) Other people have been kind of thinking along these same lines. So, I mean, you're never really as alone as you think you are. Oh, no, absolutely not. We just need to be a little bit louder so we can find each other. It's like a giant game of mental Marco Polo. <laughs> um, well, with, with that beautiful thought, I think we're going to ca- uh, call this episode to a close. Um, now, I got to discuss absolutely none of the things that I had on my notes, but... I'm going to carry that on to another episode some other time. So um, this has been a really fun episode, actually. We we went off tangent a couple of times, but we had a lot of fun. Um, so I will see you next time. Uh, from Crackpot Theories, this has been Sinead, and uh, that has been Billy. And uh, the truth is out there, and it's 
a lot more realistic um, than you might think.